My name's Luke Pierce, and I'm a co-founder of Radical Tea Towel. We are here with this week's guest and loads of tea towels on our table. So I'm seeing one with an image of Malcolm X and a quote saying, a man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. We've also got a tea towel with Rosa Parks. People always said I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. Okay, so we've got these tea towels and they've got all these radical messages on them. Tell us, tell us a little bit about this. So we take historic designs and uh, we make designs of our own, which are inspired by political history in some way, inspiring movements, great thinkers of the past, from philosophers to uh, political campaigners to uh, radicals through the ages who were trying to make the world a better place. And we put these designs on everyday items, starting with the humble English tea towel. But we also sell mugs and fridge magnets and aprons and a whole bunch of other everyday items that people might use in the home. And so how did this come about, Luke? I mean, it's, it's a great idea. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the story of that business. How did you start that? Well, it was actually my mother's idea. Um, I was visiting my parents one evening uh, several years ago. We were having dinner together, and my mother said to me that she was having difficulty finding a birthday present for an elderly relative. And this elderly relative happened to be particularly active during his life in trade union politics in the UK, uh, labor union politics. And what my mother decided that this old guy needed was not a T-shirt because he he was old British people don't wear T-shirts. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what she decided that he really needed was was something that was going to go through the letterbox and uh, was going to be convenient that he could use every day. And she thought, I know a tea towel. There must be some kind of political tea towel out there or trade union tea towel. And she spent an hour googling this and couldn't find anything. And when my mother told me this story, my brain kind of lit up because one thing I'd become aware of in the world of business is that, you know, other people's problems uh, represent great business solutions. This is where business can step in uh, and help people out. And I said to my mother, look, you should start a business selling political tea towels. And uh, she looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, no, you know, I wouldn't be confident enough to do anything like that. I couldn't do it. And I said, well, you've got dad sitting next to you here. He is, he's a designer. And I reckon I can figure out Facebook and selling stuff online and a website and stuff. So, hey, you know, let's team up. Uh, my mother said, you know, I'll only do it if we're all doing it together. So we did. Trade unions and tea towels. It sounds Sounds kind of niche. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's what we believed at the time. You know, we thought that this was a, a super niche thing that we would, we were kind of doing it for our own purposes. We just felt that these tea towels would be cool to give out to friends and relatives. And uh, so we were solving our own problem primarily. But I think a mistake that we've made continually throughout this business was, was thinking that it was such a niche thing. And it always pleases me when I tell the story of the business to people or introduce myself and people think that this must be such a niche thing. It must be so tiny. You can't possibly make any money out of it. And that's music to my ears because then I know that, you know, people aren't going to compete with us. <laughs> you know, in the online space today, uh, being niche is a huge advantage uh, because you, you, the big boys like, you know, Amazon and what have you are less interested in competing with you. 
and being niche as well means that you can you can reach a particular audience who who just love you because you're, you you've you've targeted your stuff towards them. You're speaking their language, uh, and you engage with them. and 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 people, I think, you know, love that idea of a, this small family business that's doing something interesting in the world. And people like those stories, and that's our way of connecting with people. That sounds absolutely awesome, Luke. So so like eight years on, how many tea towels a year are you are you selling now? A lot. <laughs> uh, it's in the tens of thousands now. Um, wow, incredible. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot. But we in the UK now, um, tea towels are actually less than 50% of our business. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so when we launch in new markets, we, we always start out with the, the British tea towel. But um, a lot of our customers in the UK now are repeat customers who are coming back and looking for maybe something different. So tell us a little bit about the product itself. I mean, obviously, I see those, those, those designs. They're beautiful, very vibrant, you know, very vibrant colors. What is the material? Where is it produced? Tell us a little bit about that. One interesting thing about our business is that we make our products in the UK, uh, starting with the tea towels. That's always been something that, that we've done. And uh, it, t it turned out to our surprise that there was this small textile manufacturing industry uh, in Britain that had held on despite all of the outsourcing that took place in the 1990s. And it was still possible to make tea towels in Britain, not just printing on blank tea towels, but getting the, the, the sewing, the, the cutting and the sewing and all the parts of, of the process done. Um, and so you know, we, we, we thought, well, yeah, we want to do that in the UK and we want to work with these people. Uh, so they're 100% cotton. The cotton comes from abroad because obviously that's not grown in the UK. Um, in fact, I think most of the cotton is actually still grown in the US, bizarrely, uh, where that industry is subsidized by the US government. It then gets sent to places like Turkey and Pakistan, where it's put onto a roll. Uh, and then those rolls are sent, those blank rolls are sent back to the UK, where we, we print, cut and sew the tea towels in a factory here. And where is your factory? Because textiles and textile industry is such a kind of quintessentially British thing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we, we actually work with several suppliers uh, within the UK, um, but those, uh, they tend to be in places that have traditionally, parts of the country that have traditionally uh, supported that type of manufacturing, including Lancashire and the Midlands. So what's made you move to the US? And also I'm thinking tea towels, it sounds like quite a British thing as well, you know? Yes, it is. In fact, uh, one of the challenges that I think we still face in the US is the reaction of most people when they hear about our business is, what is a tea towel? Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, quite a lot of people have, have no idea whatsoever. And then you start to talk to them about dish towels, which is a term that Americans are more likely to use. Uh, even then, a lot of people still don't know <laughs> what you are because people there are used to using paper towels, I think, a lot more. That's true, yeah. Um, I agree. And that was an interesting kind of change really for us is is americans like quite often see our product as being an environmental product as well because it means they're, they're not throwing away kitchen towels paper towels whereas tea towels have always been part of something that is used every day in the uk so we actually had kind of additional selling points in the us that we hadn't really anticipated uh, plus over there people seem to like the, the 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 made in britain element of it and they just love the concept of a tea towel i think it's seen as something that's quintessentially british and i think you know it is so can you can you describe this one here because i feel like this is a really quite a british image sure so the image that you're looking at at the moment naz is a uh, design commemorating the kinder trespass the kinder mass trespass of 1932, I believe that it was. And this was where 
Uh, a bunch of campaigners got together and uh, founded the Ramblers Association, I believe it was called. And what they were protesting against was all of the, the enclosure of public lands uh, that had been done uh, throughout the, uh, the, the, the decades leading up to that point that meant that members of the public couldn't just roam the countryside, which they felt was should be common land. They couldn't just roam that freely. And those rights, interestingly, they, they, they didn't win that campaign until I think it was 2003 or something where there was a Right to Roam Act passed by the government at the time that said that, that you know, footpaths had to be kept open and that members of the public had a right to, to roam in national parks and throughout the British countryside. So I'm wondering, what made you want to expand to the US in the first place? Good question, because it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's <laughs> a huge country and you're saying that a lot of people didn't know what tea towels were. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, what made you want to do that? Well, one thing that we noticed over the years selling in the UK is that we would get a certain number of orders coming in from the US. And this was despite the fact that we did no marketing or outreach whatsoever uh, to the US. And yet people would be, in America would be coming on our website, would be buying several designs, and then would be, would be paying horrendous shipping rates to get these products sent out to America. Shows and dedication, it right? Did sh yeah, it showed dedication. And, and obviously, that, and that was a big clue to us that we, were, we had a potential market out in America. Now, I was very aware that you've got six times as many people living in America as you do in Britain. And so in my mind, that was potentially a six times greater market, even if you assume that people are less likely to have heard of tea towels and, you know, maybe the marketing wouldn't be as successful or whatever else. You know, you're still talking about, in my mind, a market that could be at least as big, if not way bigger than what we were doing in the UK. The other advantage that the US had for us is that we wouldn't need to translate our designs. You know, a lot of our designs have got English quotations on, uh, which obviously would work just as well uh, in our mind in the US. You know, okay, occasionally there's differences in spelling, but you know, that's a trivial, a trivial difference really. And uh, we were also aware that Americans, uh, you know, I was aware from having visited uh, America a number of times that they do seem to, you know, really value things that are made in Britain. You know, they, they see made in Britain as being a mark of quality, which it is. And uh, they, you know, I think there's this, there's this feeling of historical affinity between the US and the UK that I felt was going to be in our favor. You know, plus, obviously, it's a market that, uh, you know, it's a market where you've got a high degree of online uh, usage and engagement. Online shopping is big in America, just like it is in Europe. And, uh, and we felt that it was definitely something that was worth exploring. How does it work with the, with the logistics now? So are you producing the tea towels in the UK? And then you ship ship them over in a container and then have a warehouse there and then basically ship it from, from the U.S. warehouse? Yes, that's exactly what we do. We have a warehouse in the U.S. that receives the products that are still made in the U.K. Uh, the interesting thing is that we didn't set out to do that. Uh, at the beginning, we assumed that the best thing to do would be to start making these tea towels in the U.S. And so I went out to the U.S. a couple of years ago and search desperately for manufacturers that would be able to make tea towels of the equivalent quality uh, for us. But the, the truth is the manufacturing base just wasn't there in the US. I think it's partly because there isn't this tradition of tea towels like there is in the UK, where, which, which meant that small manufacturers in the UK had been able to hold on despite all of the outsourcing. 
but I think it's also because, you know, uh, I don't know, manufacturing across the West has obviously suffered greatly and been outsourced uh, typically to places in Asia. And so some of the processes that, that you need to do just weren't there. I couldn't find anybody in the US that was able to do the type of printing that we use with the type of materials, the quality of materials and do the cutting and sewing at anywhere close to a sensible cost for us. So it led to us thinking what seemed unthinkable at the time, which is to keep our manufacturing base in the UK and export abroad. So um, that, that sounds really fascinating. Now, now, we all know that the US are, in a way, I mean, slightly different, maybe maybe more conservative um, politically. Yeah. Um, now, I sense, from, I sense from, from your products here that this is not just any product that you do, but it's also you know, um, a statement of your own beliefs, um, I guess. Did you find um, a lot of support for that in the US? Or did you think, well, maybe we have to maybe vary our stance a little bit, do different designs that cater more to US market? Uh, how did that work? Well, the first thing to say is that uh, our designs represent, you know, a huge number of different uh, views uh, of different politics. Um, yes, you know, it tends to be more kind of Uh, radical, progressive themes. You know, we traditionally look to history for people who are trying to change the status quo. And so, you know, that's the opposite of small C conservatism, if you like, in many ways. Um, that said, you know, a lot of the designs, you know, there are different views within our team who might, you know, disagree in different ways with different things. And plus, one thing we found is that, you know, particularly when you're counting on individuals in history and holding them up as being these great, wonderful people, everyone has seems to have something in their past that then, you know, makes some people annoyed, right? Oh, I know you know, what you mean, yeah. Yeah, one man's hero is another <laughs> man's uh, enemy of the people, right? <laughs> so, um, so that's the first thing to say. Uh, like I say, we, I think we went to America on this assumption, exactly what you just stated, this assumption that it was just a more conservative place and therefore we would need to shift the context of our designs and focus perhaps more on, uh, on some of the great, you know, fighters and heroes of American history, like the founding fathers. And while I'm, I'm glad that we do those types of designs, I, I'm particularly interested in American history. And I think, you know, it, as, as the, with the history of democracy, I think it is absolutely fascinating and, and of real interest, and in particular in today's times as well, given the politics of the, of the modern world. What we found is, is that actually, you know, people were really interested in some of the more left-wing designs that we had as well, and, and some of the more uh, radical designs, you, you, you could say. Um, I don't think it's true that America is a more conservative place now, having done business there for, for two years. What I think America is, is it is much bigger than anywhere else. And so what you tend to get is more extremes across everywhere and more, um, the more, more viability for certain political niches as well. And, and this translates into, you know, moving away from politics a second, this translates into any business that you might do as well. You know, something that might be too niche and not be viable at all in other parts of the world can suddenly find in America, you've got a critical mass of people that are going to be really interested in your product, or in our case, in a particular design. So are you, are you already printing like Bernie Sanders tea towels? <laughs> <laughs> We haven't done any Bernie Sanders tea towels. Um, our, our, our preference, as, this isn't a, 
a complete strict rule that we have, but our preference is to stay away from some some of the modern politics. Uh, so or at least if we are going to touch on modern politics, to try and approach it in a way that is based on principles and timeless principles, as opposed to whatever particular policy or stance that somebody might have on the day. So w we will never be doing a Donald Trump tea towel, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for example, but um, you know, taking sides in, in the democratic debate about who is best to oppose Donald Trump in that particular election is not something that we're about. That said, we have produced a tea towel celebrating Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, right. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the American Supreme Court justice. Um, because for us, you know, we looked at her as somebody who had earned her place in history. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is somebody that people will be uh, celebrating and remembering in a hundred years time for what she has done for the cause of equal rights and uh, the interpretation of the constitution in the u.s um so particularly in the u.s um amazon is really strong they so 50 of all e-commerce in the states is done through amazon yeah, it's a huge i mean a, a huge number obviously um are you selling through amazon as well or are you just going through your own online shop We only sell through our website and, of course, the uh, brick-and-mortar retailers that I mentioned earlier. And there were specific reasons for this. We, we've generally stayed away from the platforms like Amazon and eBay and all the other platforms that are, that are constantly contacting us <laughs> for us to sell our product. Uh, this, this is a tough one. It's a tough one for small businesses. Um, <laughs> There are there are big advantages from being on the big platforms in the 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 access to the audience that you can get and the volumes that you can create. I think it's particularly useful if you're selling a product that people are already searching for directly. Uh, not many people are searching for radical tea towels online, uh, and those who are are coming across our website anyway. So we don't need to be. People are not searching for these things on Amazon in general. Um, we people need to, you know, in order to, for us to get our name out there, we're more of a discovery product that people that, you know, they don't know it exists and then they find out about it and then they're interested. Um, whereas eBay and Amazon, I think, work really well for people who are searching for specific things. They type it into the search box, the products come up, they know what they're looking to buy. But there are... There are other big disadvantages, I think, from being on these platforms. You know, you don't get your customers' emails, so you can't communicate with them directly. You know, they take a very large proportion of your revenue that you could instead be spending on your own advertising direct to your website. It's more work to sell direct to your website, but I think what you're doing is building a business that's more sustainable in the long term and that's less dependent on one of these big online players suddenly deciding that they're down, going to downgrade your listings or pull the plug on one of your products. I think also, I think with your products, um, I think that the messaging is really important. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I think it's a brilliant gift idea, fantastic, but I think people would always give that sort of gift if they like deeply identify with the message. I mean, it's not random, right? You don't give this out, you know, at random and think, well, whatever, some, some guys printed on there. Right. It means something, right? And hence, I guess, you would be willing to wait well, even a bit longer or go through the motions of having to enter your credit card details again, even though they're already stored on Amazon, you know? So um, I think you are very well positioned there because it's such a, it has such a strong message, you know, the product. Also, I think for the, for the giver who, who gives that gift uh, to someone to say something, you know, more than just, well, here's some piece of cloth, you know, to dry, uh, to dry dishes.
Yeah, and I mean, our, our tea towels, you know, they're very absorbent, they're very high quality, they're very strong, you know, they last, they have good color fastness. They have a good size, I mean, I noticed they're much bigger than many other tea towels. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, if we're turning up in listings on Amazon, you know, we sell our tea towels in the US for $22. If we're showing up there, $22 for a tea towel against listings for, you know, tea towels made very cheaply, mass produced in some factory uh, in some other part of the world for $1 a piece, $2 a piece. Well, you know, if somebody just wants to buy a tea towel, there's no competition there, right? right? But we're not really selling tea towels. That's the thing. You know, that, that the, tea, the tea towel is a medium for particular messages and ideas and, you know, the ability for somebody to make a statement about who they are and what they believe in as well. And a really nice design, of course, as well. Do you know much about your customers out in the US? I'm thinking age ranges, maybe even like political affiliation or kind of jobs they do and stuff. I, I kind of have a bit of an assumption of who might be into this kind of product, but I, I'm wondering if you know much about the customers. Yeah, so we're getting more data all the time and about who our customers are and um, Google and social media are obviously good at kind of, you know, sharing some of this stuff with you. Um, we, we haven't noticed a particular, we don't have enough yet or haven't done enough analysis to notice particular differences between the US and the UK yet. But what we do know is that our products appeal particularly to people who are quite well educated, typically have postgraduate degrees, for example. Um, and obviously people who are engaged with political content uh, and enjoy doing that on social media. Uh, obviously people who are interested in history as well. Uh, and generally it appeals to, the thing is, we, a lot of young people share our stuff and are interested in our, you know, and love our designs and will like it on Instagram. You know, whether they necessarily make a purchase, you know, is, is you know, because a, lo a lot of young people are strapped for cash these days, right? But so. that's exactly the sort of people I can see being into this because right. there's something, it kind of ties in with the whole hipster thing and that kind of, you know, lo-fi thing that's been going on, which is kind of funny because I think tea towels, we might instantly think, I don't know, grannies or older people. But also I think it would appeal to like the younger generation. Right. So, and, and that's another mistake that we made is we always assumed that we were selling to an older demographic. And so some of our initial targeting and, uh, and, and, and messaging was based on the assumption that we were appealing to you know, women over the age of 40 who had money. Uh, and, you know, and actually we have noticed this like, you know, over time that people are becoming more and more interested across the different age groups. Um, I think it, what we find in America is that older people are more likely to know what a tea towel is, particularly older women. They're, and so that there's an advantage there in that they immediately grasp the concept. Whereas I think for other age groups, the, there's this kind of re-education process that needs to take place. And actually on the US, one of the first pages you see in the menu bar is the page, what is a tea towel? Mm -hmm. Where we explain to people what the tea towel actually is. We don't need to put that on the UK website. So Luke, you guys have been in the US for about two years now. What are your do's and don'ts for other companies and businesses who want to make that leap? The most important do is just to get selling there immediately. Get selling as soon as you can. I think there's a huge amount of, of worry that particularly small businesses have about exporting abroad in general uh, and selling in the US. And I think people get bogged down in things like you know, technical questions like, ooh, you know, do I need to have a separate UK, US company in order to sell over there? Oh, what about import duties? Oh, you know, but what about the spellings being different in the US? Or oh, you need to talk to your audience differently. Now, all of those things are true. You need to look into all of those things, of course, at some point. But I think the most important thing is get the data first to show that US consumers are actually interested in your product. Now, we already had some of this because we had US 
uh, customers were coming on our UK website and buying. But we still, one of the first things we did was to just go out there, find a warehouse, ship a very small amount of products over, and then set up a US website to start selling. And everything else to do with this whole process, we started dealing with afterwards once we were already super motivated because we could see the sales coming in uh, to the US. So I would say, you know, don't, don't, don't allow things like state sales taxes and legal complexities to be excuses for not starting selling over in the US as soon as you possibly can. But that can be really daunting, right? Because in the UK, from what I know, we, we don't have all these different taxes across the country. So, I mean, was that daunting for you? How did, how did you deal with sort of all these complexities that, that you're coming up against? Well, we, you know, we did a lot of our own research and we went to various, you know, talks and things that were run by, um, you know, different companies that were offering, you know, offering services. I think you know, the most important thing for us was actually getting out there and then starting to talk to people on the ground. And obviously Google is a big friend of yours. I, I think the, the main reason I make that point about things like state sales taxes is that quite often these things only kick in above a certain threshold. Correct, yeah. yeah and, right, yeah. you know, if you're a small business in particular, you know, if, if you're selling, you know, a few hundred dollars to a particular state in a particular year, it's just not, an issue that you need to be worrying about. So don't worry about the stuff that, you know, before you need to start worrying about it kind of thing, because you have enough on your plate as it is. You know, I know this, you have enough on your plate just getting your products out there and, and then doing the marketing. Because that's where I feel like the lion's share of your effort needs to be to be put in. And and so you, you just mentioned talking to people on the ground. Where were you going? Who you who were you talking to? What were they saying to you? Well, two years ago, I, I, I got on the plane and I just went to Philadelphia and... Why Philadelphia? Philadelphia? For a number of specific reasons. Uh, I'm first thinking of all, U.S. history. Right? Yeah, exactly. First of all, Philadelphia is the historic capital of the United States. It's where the Constitution and the Bill of Rights first came from and American democracy first got started. Uh, secondly, Pennsylvania has a very competitive 6% sales tax rate. Uh, very hard to beat, in particular, if you want to be on the East Coast. Speaking of the East Coast, that meant that we were a short plane journey away from the U.K., uh, there are lots of ports along the East Coast, so it's easier to ship in your container shipments and get them at your warehouse in a really short space of time. There are a lot of uh, fulfillment, third-party logistics warehouses in the Pennsylvania area that was a big help for us. And you know, I personally wanted us to be close to a big, vibrant American city that was going to be fun to visit because if you're going to have to make a number of trips out to America, you want to be somewhere that's just fun to hang out, don't you? And so um, who were you speaking to about the product? What were they saying? Where were you going? Because especially if you're mostly selling online, I'm wondering, where do fans of Radical T-Tel congregate? Where, where do you find them? Well, one thing that I did when I went out to uh, Philadelphia is um, after I'd arrived, I managed to uh, make contact with the state uh, business department. They had a whole department for you know encouraging foreign business in Pennsylvania. They were connecting me with people all the time, other small business owners in the area, other British entrepreneurs who were in the Philadelphia area. In fact, I made a number of you know lifelong friends. I'm going back there for someone's wedding next year as a result of connections I made a couple of years ago. Um, and also, um, there was a particular guy in the state department there, uh, the, the department of business in, in Philadelphia, who drove me uh, two hours to a small town uh, where there was a coffee morning taking place of some elderly women who were really interested in politics. He happened to know these women. He knew they were interested in politics. And I was able to take a number of our designs there, sit around the table with them 
and just tell them our story and ask them for some feedback. Ask them who are the types of designs that we should be making and what they thought of the business concept in general. And those old women were extremely helpful and uh, very knowledgeable and just wonderful ladies um, that, that, that have supported the business ever since we first went out there a couple of years ago. What, what were they saying? Because I feel like older women are really, they're really honest with their opinions. So what, what was the feedback you were getting from them? Oh, they, they well, they, they loved the tea towels in general. They loved the idea. They had very strong opinions about who should be on them. Uh, and they, they felt very strongly about that the, the product should be made in the US or the UK. They wanted hangers for the wall, and that's something we still haven't done, actually. They wanted to hang the tea towels up with a special type of hanger. And uh, in fact, if anyone's listening to this and knows somewhere where we can get, get hangers manufactured that we, that we can sell on our website at the point of checkout, that'd be really useful because we, we haven't been able to, to um, create something uh, that practical yet. But um, for them, it was a matter of like displaying these designs as opposed to having them tucked away in a drawer or used for drying the dishes every once in a while. It sounds like a work of art. That's kind of how they're, how yeah, they're exactly. viewing it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that, 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 was a, that was really interesting. Um, just one last question. Um, so, so our producer here is a big Che Guevara fan. Do you have any Che Guevara tea towels? We do have a Che Guevara tea towel, yes, on both well, the UK <laughs> and US website. I know he's going to buy it as a gift now for someone. You know? <laughs> Fantastic. It's one of the popular ones, yes. <laughs>